51 years, all right. <clears throat> and you notice that uh, they're sitting in different places. <laughs> yeah, he's sitting in different rows after 50 years. Uh, and, you know, just an observation, we're watching that, we're watching them closely. And I noticed, uh, you know, I, I, I performed the ceremony out at Eden for uh, Chris and Carol Nuss. How long have you guys been married now? 15? Maybe? Maybe 15? Yeah, I noticed when Chris came and sat down in the front row, uh, she came up and she came and got him and she said, come sit with me back here. <laughs> you notice things, you observe things. We watch people. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, you know, it's one of the life's greatest joys and privileges to be a grandparent, isn't it? Some of you who are grandparents, but it also comes with great responsibility, the same way marriage does. Uh, grandparenting, they watch us. <laughs> they watch what we do and what we don't do. Um, two weeks ago, our six-year-old grandson and I were talking about animals, and uh, he had told me that, uh, you know, tigers... Uh, they have stripes. It's on their skin. It's not just on their fur. And I said, so you're telling me, Hunter, that if uh, I shaved off the fur of a tiger, that uh, then it would still have its stripes? And he said, yeah, but you'd also have one mad tiger. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, it'd be one angry tiger too. But you know, they watch exactly what you do. Uh, last night I was watching a game and uh, I kind of got mad because uh, the other team scored. <clears throat> and, you know, it, it was a hockey game. And it, it, this goes all the way back to my childhood when we used to play hockey on the strip pits in Pennsylvania. And uh, so I jumped up and, you know, I yelled something, you know, stupid. And, you know, and he said, Papa, you said a bad word. You know, and uh, they watch us, don't they? <laughs> they watch our reactions. They watch what we do. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, you can turn in your Bibles to that. This writer, Peter, he only wrote five chapters of the Bible. Two. Two letters. Two books of the Bible. That's it. Five chapters total. Three in 1 Peter, two chapters in, in 2 Peter. And uh, you're going to find in chapter 1 of 1 Peter that this apostle describes us with some very high phrases. He calls us a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a people of God, a people belonging to God, living stones, a holy priesthood for God, precious to God, God's special possession. But with those phrases... In 1 Peter chapter 1, he also, also comes great responsibility because look at 1 Peter chapter 2 that follows chapter 1. Obviously, one follows, 2 follows 1. Uh, he says this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such, this is verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, 
one day you're going to send your son Jesus Christ to this world and split the sky and all we'll see. And we thank you for, we long for that day. Until then, we remain faithful. So in whatever we're doing, whatever our role is, whether it's grandparenting, marriage, both, whatever it is, whatever our jobs are, whatever our ministries are, may we remain faithful. And may we do exactly as this verse says. As we explore these verses, may you step on our toes. May you bring out our weaknesses. May you enlighten us. May your Holy Spirit touch us. And if there is one here who's not a part of your family, may you convict them. May your Holy Spirit convict their heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So... Let's diagnose this verse, these verses, two verses for a minute. Uh, And I don't know if we have a video. Roger's trying to work frantically for the video. No video, so I'll just describe it later. But uh, these these two verses have some great phrases in it. And uh, this first, these two words, foreigners and exiles. Uh, Some translations translate it pilgrims. They translate it uh, uh, aliens, uh, you know, it, it, sojourners. Some people would describe it that way. I like the word pilgrim. The word actually means a residence in a foreign country, someone who is far from home, someone who's unprotected, a resident who is in another country who's unprotected. They're in a hostile world which is scrutinized, their conduct is scrutinized. Their citizenship is scrutinized, and they, the other people who are residents of that country are anxious to get rid of them. They're anxious to kick them out. They have no permanent citizenship. They're just traveling through. You finish this, set, this phrase, this world's not my home, I'm just... Okay, you got to pay attention now. That's one of the things that is very required here, because I'm going to do this as interactive. I'm going to ask you questions. Okay, you ready? Now, Fred Smith said this is his birthday today. Happy birthday, Fred. 87 years old. He's paying attention, right, Fred? (laughs) Fred, happy birthday. So I know he's paying attention, so you got to pay attention, right? Okay, so, uh, I mean, last two weeks ago when I was up in Urbana, uh, (laughs) I almost got in trouble because the chief of police up there, uh, I asked him a question. (laughs) I said... uh, Ignorance of the law is, and he was blank over here. And uh, I was like, Chief, uh, Lingwer, what's going on over here? And he goes, his wife said, uh, he's kind of napping over here. And I was like, oh, I called out the chief here in the middle. <laughs> of course, I'm a correction officer at uh, Tri-County, so somewhere up the line, he's probably my boss. But, uh, you know, I was like, oh. But I don't care. I'll call out anybody. So you gotta, you gotta be careful here. You gotta pay. This is interactive. You gotta listen. All right. So you ready? All right. All right. Let's pay attention. All right. So this world is not my home. I'm just. Hey, that's better. All right. Let's go. So that's what the world, the word means. You have no permanent citizenship. We're just traveling through. You shouldn't seek to accumulate permanent connections as if you were to remain here forever. 
You don't make any deep connections. I'm not talking about relationships. I'm talking about having your goals and, and your, your permanent things, your, your money. Don't put it into things that are going to be here for, be on this earth forever. They're temporary. You put your things on the things that are going to last forever, which are eternal. Don't get mixed up because this world is very tempting and can try to help you establish connections here. It's very alluring where you put all of your uh, eggs into this world's basket. And guess what happens when we die? This is where your eggs will stay. This world means that you're an alien. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, pilgrims, not attached to this world. That's what the word means. You're aliens, you're exiles, you're sojourners, you're pilgrims. You're just passing through. You have no permanent connections, no permanent roots. There's a reason why he chose these two words. Because of what they mean. Is what they are. Okay, let's look at another word. To abstain. The word means to hold back. Dear friends, I urge you. The word urge means to beg, beseech, to get on your knees. You know, the Bible is so awesome. Every word has a deep meaning. So I just want to point out a few of these. Dear friends, I beg you, I urge you, I want to get on my knees as foreigners, as pilgrims, as sojourners, to abstain, to hold back from sinful desires. These sinful desires are also explained in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. They're described as the following. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does. Those three things. Those are the things. And if you get connected to those three things... The lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, the cravings of sinful men, those cravings, those are things that belong here. So we have to check ourselves. Have you ever have somebody at work say, I thought you were a Christian? <laughs> you know, everybody, say, they say that. Now, sometimes they'll say that in criticism, and it's not fair at all. It's not fair at all, because we do fall, we do sin, and we do make mistakes. The other night at work, uh, you know, 10 years. I've been there 10 years at the jail. And I'm just a regular corrections officer. And, uh, you know, I've been spit upon. I've been hit. I've been kicked. I've been just go through what everybody else goes through as a corrections officer. But there was a time in the middle of the night where, the, you know, we were doing a shakedown of the inmates. And they got pretty disrespectful and decided to refuse. About 85 guys in one pod. that They weren't going to move. And I did lose it. I lost it. I got mad and, you know, I, I you know, didn't cuss at that point. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I lost it right then and I got pretty angry at them. Shook some beds, you know, and, and while they were on it. And I, I lost it. And uh, the next day, some of them come up to me and said, that was pretty out of character for you. <laughs> And I said, well, it wasn't out of character. It was just the disrespect. I was so tired of that disrespect after 10 years. I was just so tired of it. And you guys, yeah, I think they're getting worse. And I, they said, well, that's not really being a Christian. And I said, you know, uh, I fall just like you fall. And they said, well, I'm not a Christian. But I'm watching you. And it hits you, you know. It hits you at times. It slaps you right in the face at times. That they are watching us. They're watching us. It reminds me. It's funny. When I'm preaching about something, uh, you know, I'll preach probably 15 to 18 times a year. 
in Urbana, Balbrook, and Medway. And thank you for allowing me to preach here. Uh, the Lord teaches me something that week. <laughs> it's amazing. And that's what happens when you're studying the Bible. He'll teach you something that week. Desires means lust. Uh, not only the sexual desires, but also these three things in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. To wage war, when it says wage war against your soul, that's an all-out uh, assault. That doesn't mean just picking a fight, but it is a, a word for an all-out assault with all types of weaponry. The war is intense. It's a 24 well-planned strategic assault. That's what it means. Which wage war against your soul. So it's not just picking a fight. The devil's not just picking a fight. He's trying to take it down. He's trying to eradicate you, take you to the other side. That's what that word means. To wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans. Pagans are ones that are the opposite. The opposite of those who seek to just pass through this world and live in the eternal home. They, the pagans decide to, and we don't even hear that word anymore, but the word pagan means those who establish roots here, they, they love the world. Uh, these three, the cravings of sinful men, they don't hold back. Uh, the loss of his eyes, the boasting of what he has, and that they boast about what they have. They flaunt it in people's faces. Uh, you know, they, they love that. It's the opposite of 1 John 2.16 and what the Christian shouldn't do. They love doing that. Uh, so what I want us to do is I want us to look at these three uh, things. I think these, these three things just jump out at us. Uh, the title is, Do You See What They See? And we need to see what they see. In the summer of 1805, a number of Indian chiefs and warriors met in the council at Buffalo Creek, New York, to hear a presentation of the Christian message by uh, Mr. Cram from the Boston Missionary Society. And after the sermon, a response was given by Red Jacket. Now, all of us are probably familiar with Blue Jacket, but this guy's name was Red Jacket. He was a, one of the leading chiefs, among other things, the chief who was a great orator among the Indians. He said this, Brothers, you say that there is but one way to worship and serve the great spirit. If there is but one religion, one way to reach him, then why do you white people differ so much about it? Why not all agree, as you can all read the great book? Brother, we are told that you have been preaching to the white people in this place, this church, these churches. These people who are come here today are our neighbors. We are acquainted with them. We see them every day. We will wait a little while and see what effect your preaching has upon them. If we find it does them good, if we find it makes them honest and less disposed to cheat Indians... We will consider, again, what you have said and consider your message. What if everybody waited to see what effect our religion had on us before they decided to accept it? How many people would accept our religion or our teachings based on them observing the difference it makes in our lives? Well, guess what? People do. They do decide on what difference it makes in our lives. Don't they? It's not only Chief Red Jacket, it's the world. That's what he says here. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Peter, live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you. And it doesn't say if they accuse you. Peter never says that. 
It never says if they accuse you. If they haven't accused you of doing wrong, you're probably not flying in the face of the world. You're probably flying along with the world and blending right in. Because the world doesn't like when you fly in your face. It just doesn't like it. Uh, so you blend right in. Oh, they're not going to say anything. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The word see means observe. Not just a passing glance. And this is what I, this is what I wanted to get to. All of those words, the word observe, to see, means a, not just a passing glance, but a concentrated effort. People are making mental notes on us. That's what the word means. That they may see your good deeds, may observe your good deeds, and glorify God on the day he visits us. People are watching us whether we like it or not, especially when we claim to be a believer. What do they watch? Chief Red Jacket. They're watching to see if our behavior... He was watching, and the whole Indian people back in 1805 was watching if the behavior matched the belief, if the walk matched the talk. Are they watching if the Springfield Church of Christ members are watching if the walk matches the talk? Yes. Are they watching if Mike Surgeoner's walk matches his talk at Tri-County Jail? Sure. It's exactly. If the character matches the confession... If we claim to believe what's on Sunday puts into, is put into practice on Monday. Here's what the message says in 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they won't be won over to God's side. Then they will be won over to God's side. And they'll be there to join us in the celebration when he arrives. So much so that even though they may have accused us of a wrongdoing, they'll eventually see the truth that they themselves will come to know him and even a part, be a part of the chosen ones who glorify God when he re returns. When I was young, my mom had this big yellow book, and she used to teach Sunday school out of it, that and the Bible. And she would sit us down as children, and she had this notebook. And one of the songs she taught us was a song, I don't know if you remember, uh, but this song was a song, maybe you're familiar with it, but, uh, and this is why I want to have it on the screen. But it was this song. You remember this song? Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down with love. How many remember that? Hey, you guys do remember that. That's good. See, you guys are all paying attention. That's awesome. Uh, be careful, little mouth, what you do. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down with love. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Then you add in things. You insert things. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And you can add things. And she kept adding things. I'm not sure if she just wanted to stretch it out because my dad was preaching too long. But she would add, you know, add certain things. But uh, careful, little hands, what you, you know, touch. And she would add things. I don't think she was. It was the message. I was, that was just a joke. But uh, the, the song reminds us that we're not the only ones watching, observing. It's God up above who's watching. But he's not the only one that's watching. There are others that are watching. The Holy Spirit within us, he's watching. God is watching. The Holy Spirit, Jesus is watching. But also, the world is watching. The two, the simple verses tell us that those who don't believe, 
These two verses teach us that those who don't believe, they need to see us. They need to see us do three things. Pretty simple. Right from the verses, you look at these verses. As you open your Bible, look at these verses. They need to see us abstaining from sinful desires, living such good lives, and doing such good deeds. These three things. Abstaining from sinful desires. These, that's the first thing they need to see us do. Abstaining from sinful desires. Abstain means to hold back. I already mentioned that. You know, sin really is not a word that's used in our society much anymore. It's kind of offensive. But if I use the word crime, they understand it. You know, not that I would, you know, substitute the word crime, but it's a good place to start with someone who doesn't believe, someone who doesn't know. If you use the word crime, they do, it's a crime against God. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you can help, to under, help someone understand. It's a good place to start because uh, they understand crime. Maybe it's just the people I work with. But uh, sin is a crime against God. It's, it's against their fellow man. That's what sin is, too. Uh, you look at some of the biblical words for sin. I think we need to look at some of the biblical words for sin. I think as Christians we need to because we forget. Contrary to many modern teachings, all sin is not the same. You know, I've heard that so many times in our society. All sin is the same. There are so many different words for sin in the Bible. The main one is to miss the mark, to pull back an arrow and to miss it completely, to shoot right here. I wasn't shooting at you. I was shooting over here, you know, and you miss it completely. That's what the word means. That's used the most in the Bible, to miss the mark. The next word is to not place proper priority or emphasis on what pleases God, to place it on what pursues our own interest. To do something, to set out our to-do list for the day and not put it on what pleases God, but what on pleases ourselves. Man, who's guilty of that? If you don't raise your hand here, you're not paying attention. <laughs> you know, uh, to, another one is the word parapatoma, and I'm not listening, listening to these Greek words. That one I did just to see if you're paying attention. To fall when you should have stood. The picture is one stumbling over, walking along the road, and there's a rock in the road, and you hit it, and you end up falling. You fall. Uh, you know, you just don't. Uh, what a powerful picture there. Another one is to have ignorance when you should have known. You know, if you're driving through a, a school zone, and it's 65 miles an hour, and uh, you pull over, you get pulled over, and you say, I didn't know. I didn't know it was 65 here. I didn't see a sign, and there was a sign. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. This is where I got the chief. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like, here's another one. To refuse and to hear, to obey God's word. Where you hear God's word on Sunday, or you hear God's word when you're reading it, but you just refuse to do it. You just don't go out and do it. Uh, here's another one where God draws a line in the sand. This was one with Adam and Eve. God draws a line in the sand. Do not eat from this fruit of the tree. He draws a line in the sand. And you're like, I'm going to do it anyway. You know, or, and there's many words. But you know what? We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But we can all receive forgiveness. And when Jesus died on the cross and said, Father, why have you forsaken me? It was Jesus paying for all of those sins. All those different types of sins. He was paying for every one of them. The good news is there's a solution. He paid the price for all those sins. First Corinthians 15, 3, For I received what I passed on to you as of first importance, 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he raised, was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He died for our sins. So the first thing is we have to abstain, to abstain. And the only way to do that is through the Holy Spirit. The second, we live such good lives. Now, what does that mean exactly? Let's put flesh on this. What it means to live out godly behavior in our everyday life. It's part of being a Christian no matter what circumstances, no matter what happens to us in life. So, it means this. Romans 13, 13 says, Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. That's what first Romans 13, 13 says. Because we belong to the day... We must live decent lives for all to see. Matthew 5, Jesus said it this way, In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know, there's an example of a Christian who lived a life that was well-lived, a little girl who was born in 1820. Beautiful little girl, perfect little girl, born, special, perfect. Her parents were godly people. They had prayed for a child. God heard their prayer. They received her. They loved her. And when she came, everything was fine. She, she had eight fingers, two thumbs. Everything was in place. But after about six weeks, she got sick. There was some type of virus. Her eyes got swollen and got red. And you remember those hearing about in history, those doctors that would come through and they'd have those elixirs that, that they would sell. And, you know, they would, it, it would fix everything. Well, that's what this doctor did. Uh, he made a misdiagnosis. He applied some ointment on this little girl's eyes. And as a result of that, she lost her eyesight. She went totally blind. You know, it had been very easy for this girl growing up in the 1800s to become bitter, her parents to become bitter. And that's not what happened. She never allowed herself to get bitter. And her parents never allowed themselves to get bitter. They all trusted God. God used her disability her in such a great way. The woman grew up and became the most prolific hymn writer the world has ever known. She wrote over 9,000 hymns. You may not know that she also wrote patriotic songs about our country, the United States of America. She published secular poetry in journals. Fanny Crosby is her name. One of the greatest songs that she wrote is Blessed Assurance. You remember that song? Sing it, sing it, sing it with me. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. That's great. See, that she's singing about that, and she has lost her eyesight, and she had it. That's amazing. She also wrote, To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Great things he hath taught us. And you know what? It's kind of funny. I'll stop you there. You can keep singing it in your mind. Sing it all week. He, she singing that, over 9,000 of those was in her mind. Now, how does a person do that? Because in today's society, you know what we just said? We'd have dialed 444, 444. That guy, and we just said, let's get a lawsuit going. You know, I want to sue that doctor, that elixir guy. Let's, get, let's sue him. Sue him for everything he's got. We're a litigious group, aren't we? I want to get that guy. I want to get him for all he's got. Lost my eyesight. That's kind of funny how 200 years has changed. 208, 200 and some years, 13 years have changed. But she went the opposite direction. She even sang songs about this great country that we live in and wrote him uh, poetry. And it's published that 200 years later, 
We know those songs exactly. That's amazing, isn't it? That's someone who lived their life for the Lord and gave praise. The third thing is doing good deeds. Now, I want you to think of some good deeds. That's the thing he says. It's one of the easiest of the three to do, but it has high impact upon people. But because of our selfishness, because of our busyness, we often neglect this one. List some good deeds. What type, type of good deeds is Peter talking about? Are they random acts of kindness? Are they donating our unused books to the library? Are they going to uh, read with an elderly person, planting a tree? Those, those could be some of the deeds Peter's talking about. But actually, specifically, he's talking about helping the poor. He's talking about helping those who are in need. That's really what he's talking about. Because uh, specifically, that is mentioned over and over again in the Word of God. I have tons of scriptures. I won't read them all. But those are the scriptures that he's talking about. He's helping those who are in need, uh, who, are, who don't have money. That's what he's talking about. Acts chapter 9, 36 and 43, he uplifts uh, Dorcas. Uh, Dorcas is someone who helps the poor. Uh, Ephesians 4.28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work and do something with their hands. It's to have something to share with those who are in need. Uh, I have a ton of scriptures. They're simple things, simple good deeds that we can do and have an impact upon others. This is where I, to sh I was going to show the video clip because uh, there's a, a video I was watching of a guy by the name of Tim Tebow. When Tim Tebow, he was a, a college quarterback at the University of Florida, he had a coach by the name of Urban Meyer. And the coach, who now is the coach at Ohio State University, yay, and so what he used to do is uh, he used to wear these eye reflectors, and he put a thing on called Philippians 4.13. And he would wear that, and uh, it would reflect the sun, well, that went crazy when he wore Philippians 4.13 that started selling at the bookstore. And people didn't even know what it was at the University of Florida. They thought it was uh, one guy come up to him after games. He wore it for almost a whole season. P-H-I-L dot 4.13. He fit it right there. And people thought, you know, one guy came up to him after a game and said, man, I can't believe you wore that for me because my name is Phil. And you wore that. That was great. He said, no, no, that's not why I wore it. It's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's why I wore it. And he was like, oh, oh I thought it was because of my name. That's why you were wearing it. No. And so he, he, he wore that after every game. That was his motto. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it took him to the championship game that year, SEC championship game. And he decided to change it. He decided to change it to John 3.16. And he, he wanted to change it with his mom. He talked to his parents about it. And his mom said, that's good, honey. I like that you're doing that. That's great. And his dad said, have you talked to Coach about this? You better talk to Coach Urban Meyer about it. And so he said, oh, okay, yeah, I better do that. So I he, he went to meet with the coach about it. And he said, well, Coach, uh, you know, he said, how you doing? How you doing? You feel good? Your arm feel good? Yeah, you know, and he said, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I feel good. I just... Uh, want to do, do a change. He said, a change? So Coach Urban Meyer is really superstitious. And he said, uh, you're not changing anything. And he goes, no, no, I want to change something. I want to change these uh, eye reflectors from Philippians 13. He goes, no, no, I can do all things through Christ your strength. I love that verse. He said, no, no. He said, I want to change it to John 3.16. I just feel that God's telling me to do this. I think there's a message that needs to be brought out. And he says, 
what? That verse got us here. That's what's won us all these games. And Tim Tebow says, no, that's not what won us all these games. You know, and he goes, uh, I'm going to change it. So he changed it to John 3.16. Okay, and during that game, he, he did it and they end up winning. During that game, 94 million people Googled John 3.16 because they didn't know it. They didn't know what it was. 94 million people. Well, he went on to wear that for three years. He ended up in the pros. He ended up playing my team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, wearing it. People continued during that game. 108 million people Googled John 3.16. There's still people that didn't know what John 3.16 is. John 3.16 says what? Let's say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. They didn't know it. All these people throughout the world that are watching this game, not only in the United States, I don't know, it was worldwide, don't know it. No idea what it is. After the game, he gets a call, Irvin Meyer gets a call, they're at a restaurant, and he gets a call, and it's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so uh, Tim Tebow said, who is that? They're at, at, at supper together. Uh, no, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's not Urban Meyer. It's, uh, the publicist comes in because this is long after Urban Meyer's gone. And uh, a publicist comes up to Tim Tebow and says, uh, do you know after, after they won the Steelers game in, the, in this uh, uh, champ, uh, playoff game against he, Tim Tebow was with the Denver Broncos playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they beat him on a last, it was an overtime, on a last-second throw that went like 80 yards. But anyway, they showed that on this video. But so what happens is this publicist comes in and says, Tim, do you know what's interesting about this? And he goes, yeah, we won the game. He goes, no, 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 what's interesting about this? He shows him the stats. He says, do you know you threw for exactly 316 yards tonight? He goes, really? And he says, do you know your completion? Uh, it was completion, not completion percentage, but it was every, every stat that he had equaled 31.6, a 316, uh, everything. Everything he had was 316. Everything of that night, uh, that game against the Steelers a few years ago. And it was like amazing. <laughs> and uh, the whole point of that was that God doesn't do anything I mean, he reached people just when you think no one's watching, just a something little eye, these eye things. No one's watching. 94 million people were. 108 million people were. <laughs> and Tim Tebow was just humbled by that. Just when you think no one's watching, your grandkids are watching. Just when you think no one's watching your marriage, people are watching. Just when you think, oh, well, that's not a big deal people are watching. So which one is it for you? Which one is your weak area? Is it abstaining or holding back from sinning? Is it living a good life that when they accuse you of doing wrong, eventually they're proven wrong? Or is it doing good deeds? Which is your weak area? Allow God to speak to you today. Let's stand and let's sing our invitation hymn. Or maybe you're not even in Christ today. Maybe you need to come forward, stand up for the Lord and say, man, I really need to be a part. I need to have Christ in my life. Let's go ahead and stand and let's sing our invitation to him. Dave's going to lead us.
And today is the day that you need to say, yeah, I need to have Christ a part of my life and have him as my Lord and Savior. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me, this is what I my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh 